tell you that if you are watching this today, if you could send your pictures to chadharwell at wol.com org. I did it again. wol.org. Um, we will put those pictures up at the end of this uh, worship service. So uh, take a picture of the people that are watching this broadcast in your home and then um, email them to chadharwell at wol.org. Now, we are starting a new series today called God the Fathers, the God the Father series. And um, to start the God the Father series, we have Parker with us. Hey, Parker. Parker can, can wave. Hey, Parker, how you doing? Are you doing good? Great. And his dad are, is going to come over and he's going to read some, some jokes to you, Parker. That's what he's going to do. He's going to read some jokes to you. Okay? All right? I can hear you. You can hear me! It's a miracle. It's a miracle. All right. So, so we're, we're, we're working this out. I have Chad here in my office and Parker at home live and... We're, we're working that out. What do I need to do? Mute, mute your computer. Mute my... Oh, come on over. We'll, 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 I'll make it up. Because it's going to be feedback. Yeah. So we're going to probably have a little feedback here for a minute. Can, can you hear me, bud? Parker? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So, um, if a child refuses to sleep during nap time... Are they guilty of resisting arrest? <laughs> Do you know that the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. So I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. And I'll just have to let you know. Okay, last one. What is the least spoken language in the world? Sign language. Oh. All right, thank you, Parker. I appreciate that. And, uh, of course, those were dad jokes. So, um, dad jokes to kind of get our God the Father series started here. And, um, you know, I, I do these a lot with my kids. I love to do them a lot with my kids. Um, <laughs> that was, um, sorry, I'm, I'm having a moment here. I usually walk into my kids' rooms from time to time and just have one-liners every now and then. And sometimes they giggle and sometimes they groan, but every now and then I throw those out. It seems that it's a dad's responsibility to learn these particular jokes and give them to his children. Um, you may have had a father that was a great father, or you may have had a father that was a good father, or you may have had a father that was kind of mediocre. He was there, but he wasn't there. It's kind of mediocre. And you might have had a father that was bad or a very bad father or one that wasn't even around you at all. As we start this God the Father series, what I would like you to do 
is I would like you to take your view of your father, whether he was the best dad ever or the worst dad ever or not even there. I want you to take that view of fatherhood and I want you to put that out of your mind. I want you to put that part that to the side because this is what I know. God the Father is better, much better, than the dad that was bad, than the, the worst dad you had or the dad that wasn't there. And I'll tell you this too. God the Father is better than the best dad that you had. You may have had a tremendous dad that was absolutely incredible, that, that exuded grace and mercy and loved you and you knew it and he was just a great dad. I want to let you know, God the Father is a better dad than your best dad here on earth. And it's because he's God. So I want you to think, and I don't want you to think about the expressions of what you thought your earthly father was. I want you to think about these messages in terms of what God the Father is, the ultimate father, the best father that you can actually have. Now, as we walk through this series, I want you to know that I believe in the Trinity. You're going to hear me say some things where I say something about God the Father does this, God the Son does this, God the Holy Spirit does this. And what I want to let you know is I believe in the Trinity because the Bible teaches it. And it's three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three, in, but they're one God. They're not three separate gods. So I don't want you to walk away from this thinking that we have one God over here that's God the Father and one God over here that's God the Son and one God over here that's God the Spirit. don't want you to think that at all. But as we go through it, and I'm talking about God the Father, and his role in your life and his, his role in the redemptive plan, I want you to know that I believe in the Trinity strongly. We don't talk about God the Father much. In fact, I looked um, a year ago at a ton of resources on God the Father, and they all seem to just kind of hit the attributes of God, like, like you know, omniscience, omnipresence, and all that, which all three of them have. And there wasn't really much out there that had the specific roles that God the Father would do. We have Jesus, we know his roles. We have the Holy Spirit, we know his roles. But God the Father, um, those roles were not exactly listed out. Um, you know, so this is a topic that not many people talk about. This is a topic that not many people preach on. So um, we are going to really talk about the God the Father and his role in your life and his role in redemption. So to get started, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and I have a special guest with me. Come on, come on up. Yeah, you can sit, so can you see him? Here, I'm going to do this for you, right here, a little camera adjustment. Can you tell them your name? Hello, my name is Kellen Wiles. Yes, and he's here today, and he wants to read us um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So listen very closely as he reads these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Very good. Thank you, Kellen. Glad that you came. Um, so God the Father has blessed us with what, Kellen? Kellen. Kellen. Oh, I said your name wrong. That that was awesome, wasn't it? With have blessings in the heavenly realm, right? That's what that that's what that talks about. Right. All right. Well, have a good day, and we we are going to get back to the message. Thank you, thank you very much. That was awesome. So he blesses us with blessings in Christ, 
spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. God the Father is the one that blesses you. God the Father is the one that blesses you with blessings in the heavenly places. Now, what in the world does that mean? God the Father blesses you in how does he bless you? What are some things that he has blessed you with? Well, what I want you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles now to Psalm chapter 8, and let's look um, for a few moments about the blessings that God has given you and me. So um, that's Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8, and verse 1 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set into place, what is man, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, I'm on Facebook some, you know, and I, and I, I'm really on it just to see how people are doing. I like to see pictures of people's family. I like to see what they've done that day. I even like to see the food pictures and what people are eating or, or if they went somewhere. I really like to see that. It, it helps me keep up with people in the church, um, in another way, you know, so I like to scroll through Facebook. What I've noticed is as I scrolled through Facebook is there are pictures of fathers at times that have their children with them doing a particular task. So you'll have this picture of something being built and a kid's right there with them. You'll have a picture of this going on over here and the kid is right there with them. One of the members in the church that I often see pictures of, um, of him and his two children, is Aaron Sink. Aaron Sink... Um, generally, if he's doing something, whether it is a goat that's about to have a baby, um, he brings a kid with him. Um, if it's a fence that is going to be mended, he brings a kid with him to help him with that project. He is constantly involving his children in the work on his farm, in the place where he lives. He's constantly have, has them with him. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. You might. Um, Aaron owns a construction company, and he's very good at what he does. Very good at what he does. Very thorough at what he does. When he decides to take one of his children with him to fix a fence, he has chosen to slow down the process of fixing that fence in order to include his child, in order to make sure that they are with him and helping him out. Could Aaron sink uh, fix that fence more efficiently in the sense of he could do it quicker if he was just all by himself. Absolutely, he could do it quicker all by himself. It, but he brings his kids along because he values fellowship with them more than he does efficiency. He values their presence and the fellowship that happens as they fix a fence more than he does efficiency. So he brings them along with them 
with him in order to do a particular task. This is precisely what God the Father has done for you. He has slowed down enough in order to spend time with you and to have fellowship with you. And that is an amazing thing. So with that thought in mind, listen to Psalm chapter 8 again. It says this, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, this is creation, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you're incredible. Majestic is your name in all the earth. You created the world and the whole universe in six days. By the voice of your mouth, you created everything that we see in the universe beyond. An amazing display of your power. But what is man that you would be mindful of him? You see, God created the entire world, and on the sixth day, he created man. And at that moment, he put man over creation. He put all the animals up underneath his feet. He had him be, become the caretaker for the very creation that he created. Now, did God need man in order to take care of this creation? Absolutely not. But the reason that he did that is because he wanted to have fellowship with his creation, man and woman, and he wanted to walk with them and be with them and take care of creation with them and through them. He basically was wanting to take them with him to fix the fence, even though it slowed them him down. You see, God, God can do things immediately. I mean, he can do things really, really quickly. Creation shows that, but he thought that the company of his children, his creation, man and woman, you and me, was worth him slowing down in order for us to be able to keep up with him. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you even care for him? God wanted fellowship with you. So we all know what happened in that in that story in the garden, right? God created Adam and he created Eve and they decided to disobey one of God's commandments and they broke that fellowship with God, the Father. They broke the fellowship. In fact, when he came back down into the garden to walk with them on that night where they had broken fellowship, he they hid from him. So they broke this fellowship. Now it's at that point that God could have said, I'm just going to start over. He could have snapped his fingers and everything that he created would have been totally gone. And then he could have started, he could have started, could have started. I think that's the way you say that. He could have started over and created something totally new that would have obeyed him and wouldn't have fallen. But he didn't. He did not do that. Instead, he slowed down even more. If he had slowed down when he pressed, placed man over all the animals and he'd said, man, I want you to, Adam, I want you to name all the animals. 
Could God have named all the animals? Yeah, he could have named all the animals, but he let Adam name all the animals. When they fell, he slowed down even more because he, before creation even started, had a redemptive plan already set in place because he wanted to make sure that people, you and me, had the opportunity to fellowship with him and be with him and that he was going to fix things in the world, but he was going to choose a people to come alongside of him to be a part of his solution to the sin problem. And that was you and me. You see, there's a lot of things in the world that God could fix with the snap of the finger. This this little um, virus, I'm not belittling it, but this virus, he could snap a finger and it'd be gone. He could snap a finger and we would no longer be down uh, under lockdown. He could snap a finger and solve all the problems in the world, but he has chosen not to do that because he wants you and me to be with him in that process of redeeming the world. See, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. But God wants us. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to walk with him. God the Father that created the world, that flung the stars into space, is mindful of mankind, and he wants you to be with him. So back back to Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter chapter three, and uh, we'll we'll read verses um, seven through thirteen. Check this out. Of this gospel, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God the Father's grace, which was given to me by the working of God the Father's power. To me, though I'm in very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles of the unsearchable riches of Christ, God the Father's Son, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God the Father who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God the Father might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You see, the church is part of this whole fellowship thing. Not only does he want me to be with him, he wants a group of people to work together in fellowship, to be a part of the redemptive plan for the world, to be part of making the world, the world better, to be part of pointing people to a better day. That's an amazing thing. It takes us being together. It's only when we're together that we are actually the church doing his work. So he has chosen for us to be with him in that. So God the Father has given us responsibilities. God his Father has set you over dominion. It might be over your family, over the children that he has blessed you with. He has set you over your house, your property, your cars to take care of them. He has set you in a place where you may even take care of animals and the earth. He, he has set you in a place where you could be a part of sharing the gospel with your neighbor. God wants you to be a part of that uh, redemptive plan. He, he wants to be with you. He, he has taken you along. He has slowed down enough for you and I to be participants in all that he is doing in the world. You see, you and I should not be afraid 
of doing things for him. That's not, that should never be our fear. Some of us don't want to do something. We, we kind of get scared to do it. We're talented to do it, but we're scared to do it because we might do it wrong. God says, I don't, I really don't, that's not really my concern. My concern is that you are doing this with me. See, in Exodus, Moses talked, talks to God and God has given him a task. He, he has given him a task where he's definitely over something. It's a direct call from God for his life. And he is on his knees before the burning bush, and he says, Lord, I do not want to leave this place if you are not going to go with me. Our fear should be that God would leave us in the task that he has given us. However, I'll submit to you this morning that that is an unfounded fear. Because God is not going to leave us and forsake us. He is going to be with us because he wanted us with us in the first place. He wanted us with him to do the job that he has called us to do. Or that the plan that he had from the foundation of the world is probably a better way to put that. So, why in the world would God want us? What is it about us that makes him want us to be with him? He doesn't need us. So, what makes him want us. John 3.16 says, For God the Father loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God the Father loved. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we can be called the children of of God, because once you accept John three sixteen and salvation, you become a child of God, and He—that means He wanted you, and He wants you by His side as He redeems the world. First John chapter four verse eight says, "God is love. God is love." End end of discussion. God is love. Now, this means that love never changes. This means that love is, is consistent. It's, it means that love is steadfast. Love is not reckless. Love is steadfast. It, it's immovable. It never changes. God loves you regardless. He loves you regardless. See, the reason he wants you is because he loves you. It's not because you have deserved his love. It's not because you have done anything to get his love. It's because he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. He's going to love you anyway. You see, God, because he is love, is moved by what you do. You know, some of the best, um, the best pictures I have in my home that I've ever received are the ones that my children used to draw when they were little. They would draw them, they would bring them home, they'd be proud of them. Some of them would just be colors on pieces of paper. You wouldn't really know what it was, but nonetheless, they would give you these gifts, right? And you knew that it was from them. I absolutely enjoyed that. I was proud of what they had, they had accomplished. I was proud of what they had put down on that piece of paper. Whether they had done it to the best of their ability or not, I loved those things. Now, when I go to your home and you have pictures up on the refrigerator, I do not feel the same way about those pictures on the refrigerator that you do. 
I don't. I think they're cute and I see the connection that you have with them. I understand why they're on your refrigerator because you feel the same way about your kids that I feel about mine. This is exactly how God feels, God the Father feels about you. When you do something and you do it for him, he loves it. Whether it looks good or it doesn't look good, if your heart was in it to do it for him, he is absolutely thrilled with that because he loves you. So you should never be afraid to, to step forward and, and use your talent for his honor and glory. So if you write a song, if you pray a prayer, if you uh, do a work of art, if you go through a business endeavor um, with God in mind, following him, if you start a relationship with your neighbor in order to get them the gospel, if you write a poem, if you make a decision, if you spend time in his word, if, if you try to invest in your children at home, God is very pleased with that and God loves it. It doesn't matter how good or bad it was or if you're competent at it or not competent, it doesn't matter to him. He loves you and he's happy that you are doing something. He's happy that you're by his side. He's happy that you're a part of the redemptive plan. He's happy you are in his family. He's absolutely joyous because he loves you and he wants you there. Let me break down this love thing a little bit. His love for you caused him to do something crazy, absolutely crazy. John 3.16, for God the Father so loved the world, he gave his only, begotten, his only begotten Son. In other words, he inserted himself into our pain by giving us his only Son. That's what he did. Crazy. But he wanted you that much. You may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm, I'm not worthy of that love. Well, that doesn't matter. You see... Whether or not you're worthy of God's love or not has nothing to do with who you are or what you do. It has nothing to do with that. You are worthy of love because you were created in God's image. And part of that image is God is love. So you were created and love is a part of his image. And that is why you and I can love. That's why you, can I, you and I can love. You are not worthy of love because of things that you've done for him. He is going to love you absolutely regardless of all of that. I did not really understand this particular aspect of the Father's love until I actually held Aurora for the very first time. Until I held my son for the very first time. You automatically love your children. They've grown up just like other kids and sometimes they've, they've been great and sometimes actually you felt like you just wanted to take them out of this world because you were still capable of replacing them. Right? But even when you were upset with them, even when I was upset with my children, I still loved them. My son and my daughter, I have never thought that they need to earn my love. I've never thought that they were unworthy of my love. I've never had that thought. I have loved them from the beginning. I still love them now. I love them in the middle. I love them during struggles. I love them during successes. 
And my love for them hasn't changed. And the reason it's never changed, the reason it's constantly in my soul is because I'm created in the image of God and God is love and that love never changes. It never adjusts. It never is different. It never is here one day, gone the next because it's solid. It's steadfast. It's there. And he loves me regardless. And he loves you regardless. Listen, he loved us when we were not his children. He loved you and me when we hadn't received the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He offered us a gift. He loved us when we were not saved, and he loves us when we are saved. He has never loved us more. He's never loved us less. He has just always loved us. Why? Because God is love. So if you're watching this today and you think that somehow or another you need to figure out how to earn God's love, God the Father's love, I'm here to tell you, you do not have to earn the Father's love. You already have it, and that isn't going to change. What might need to change is your relationship with the Father. Maybe you need to accept his gift of love. Maybe you've never come to a point where you've asked him forgiveness of your sins. And said that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe in that and I want to begin a relationship with him. Maybe you've never said that prayer. Well, today needs to be that day. He loves you now and he's going to love you after you do that. And the love is going to be the same. But your, your relationship with him will be different. You will be fixing a fellowship problem that he desires to have with you. See, God came to us so that we wouldn't have to go to him. And to be honest with you, we would have never made it to him anyway. Just like I've never considered for a moment the question of, are my children worthy of my love? God the Father has never for a moment questioned if you or I was worthy of his. Now, it's constant love. I'll tell you this, children take advantage of it. Children do things because they know that you will always love them regardless of what they do. They know that deep inside of you, you care for them. They do, even though they say you don't, even though they might say uh, you hate me or, or whatever. They know that you love them, and you, you know you do too, and you know that whatever they do, um, you're going to love them. Now, you might have to act differently toward them, but you are always going to love them just like God loves you. So say that, say this. You need to make sure that you are not taking advantage of the Father's love as a believer. You need to make sure that you are pursuing Him and His presence in your life and following after Him, not because you're trying to be worthy, but because He first loved you. You take advantage of God's love when you do something wrong. Now, when you're doing something wrong, God loves you just as much as he did before, but, but you, you don't do that wrong thing. You change so that you can have full life and full fellowship with God the Father who loved you first. Don't test the waters like children do. Don't do that. Um, stick with him. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. He has slowed down enough for you to be a part of it, and that is a blessing from God, the Father, Ephesians 1, verse 3. So let me leave you with this. Two things. The first one is Jeremiah 31, verse 3, that says, With an everlasting love, 
Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I want you to notice that the verse doesn't say, because you have done this, because you have made it to the temple, because you have read your Bible, because you have prayed every day, because you have done good to someone else. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that that is why he is continuing his faithfulness to you. It says, with an everlasting, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, because of that love, I have continued my faithfulness to you, and God will be faithful to you until the end. He will be faithful to you. He'll never not be faithful to you. Finally, Zephaniah chapter uh, 3 verse 7 says this, and this is an awesome God the Father verse. It's, it's just absolutely incredible. And it is one of those heavenly blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord from God the Father. And it says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will rejoice over you with loud singing. You have a, a Father in heaven who is rejoicing over you right now. He's rejoicing over you right now. Does he desire things for you? Yeah. If you are away from him, yes, he desires you to be with him. But even in that, he rejoices over you. He's glad he created you. He's glad you are a part of this world. And he just wants you to be in fellowship with him and by his side as he accomplishes his plan of redemption. So if you're watching today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to pray for God to forgive you of your sins. Thank God that he sent his son out of his love to, to pay the penalty for those sins and ask him to begin a relationship with you based on what Christ has done for you on the cross. I, I, I want you to pray that prayer. And if you do, I want you to contact me and tell me that you did. I, I do. If you're sitting here today and you're a Christian and, and you um, just didn't feel worthy as you were watching this, and, and it has moved you to thankfulness for what God the Father is in your life, I want you to take that this week and I want you to live by it. I want everybody that has listened today to go through this week remembering that the times that they're down and they're depressed, that there's a Father in heaven singing over you because he loves you. He, he's glad that you're with him. He's glad that you're in this world. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an amazing truth. And though I like the song, very much so, and we're going to sing it in the next couple of weeks, The Good, Good Father, I want you to know that God is not just a good, good father. He's a great, great father. In fact, he's more than great. He's an amazing, amazing father that he would love and continue to love people like you and me. It's just an amazing thing. Why would he even be mindful of you and I? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message.